you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The Around the NFL podcast would be a good fit for Chip Kelly's offense. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Nice point system with the hands. Thank you. That's regular season four. Special because this is a special podcast. It is. Our first Sunday night show. Uh, after a exciting, wild, enlightening slate of Sunday games in the NFL. I mean, I hate to say it to everyone who listened to all of our off-season shows and our preseason shows, but that was all a preamble. We weren't even, this is going to be much better than all of those put together. Well, that, plus, we were yeah. wrong about 500 things. I don't even know we're if all of us... We're right about a lot of things. I don't even know if all of us were sober for most of the preseason shows, <laughs> but right now, you could bring a, uh, a police officer in here... Zero, zero, BAC. Are you sure? Pretty totally, sure. Totally sober. Pretty sure. This is our Sunday recap show. We will be doing this every Sunday, and you could watch it um, on YouTube at YouTube.com. You could watch it at NFL Now. And, of course, you could listen to it, our loyal audience uh, of the Around the NFL podcast, three shows a week. Our Sunday night show will focus exclusively, and this mm-hmm. makes sense, on the action at hand uh, on Sunday and we will start this show, and we will start every show this season with what we call, we were kicking around some ideas, like, you know how when, uh, on football shows it's always like, yeah, fourth and goal, <laughs> zone read, attack. And it's really just four <laughs> opinions. Hurry up offense. And Hurry up offense quick answers. with Jaws and Speedo. It's like, no, this will <laughs> be. Speedo? Red zone. No, oh, wait. Yeah. Speedo's underrated. Uh, this will be. <laughs> Four big takeaways. Mm. A nice bit of synergy, Greg, of course. I thought it's weird that Mark's going to get two and Dan's not getting any. That was a strange decision. I'm out of here, especially in light of other events today. But (laughs) listen. Listen, I wasn't invited on Damashek's couch show. Oh, not happy about it. I think you don't realize that we would happily allow you to do that. You, I'm just saying, than, the old Zeuser who lives life with a chip on his shoulder, as big as Steve Smith, it got bigger. 
But that's it's not about me. This is about the yeah. NFL and the Around the NFL podcast. And we're going to start with four big takeaways from Sunday before digging into each game. So let's start it off with Mark, your big takeaway. I mean, my big takeaway watching the Ravens lose to the Broncos, that's nice that you're 1-0, Denver, but your quarterback, I don't know what's going on here with Peyton Manning. He's the guy that we saw in the preseason. That's confirmed after one week of the, of the regular season. Mm. Cannot throw deep, and the Ravens, they put out a blueprint for other teams to follow. Close off the short side of the field, make Manning connect with passes deep down the field because he can't. A graphic here says Peyton Manning doesn't look like Peyton Manning. He actually does look like the Peyton Manning we saw in December and January. That's the problem. Mm. Yes, write him off. Wes, you're up. (laughs) Marcus Mariota. Look, if you watch this guy, you can can say the Bucs have a bad defense. You can say all that. But if you can't recognize that he has special traits, I don't know what to tell you. He's got Joe Montana-like footwork. He's got a Dan Marino-like quick release, lightning quick release. And he's running some... Oregon elements. He's running some Chip Kelly elements. He could have like an RG3 type of dynamic rookie season. When's the last time the Titans dropped a 45-point bomb on someone? Mm. Uh, it's been a long time. I mean, we didn't Never even happened. respect this team a year ago on any level. Before, How much can change with Before Eddie George was a master thespian. <laughs> so ages ago. My big takeaway after a summer of hype, the Amir Abdullah hype is real. Watching this Lions game, this guy almost 100 total yards. Would have had more, but the, the Lions offense went in the tank, as the defense did. I don't know what's going on with the Lions, at least after one week, but Abdul looked great. He had a great touchdown run where he made Eric Weddle look silly. He turned a busted screen pass play into a 50-yard game. He had a kickoff return that put the Lions in great field position. This guy's going to be making plays all year long. He's a stud. He reminds me of Eric Metcalf. Hmm. He, he got compared to Barry Sanders by... Todd Bowles, and you mentioned during the game that you, you saw some of that, too. You can't, you can't deny the guy who looks special. Special traits, Wes. Special traits. My takeaway is that these Rams that I've been talking about for a while, they look pretty good. They took it after the defending champs. I, I'm not saying they're going to win the NFC West or something, but the Seahawks have to go to Green Bay next week. And I think St. Louis showed some things in this game without their top two running backs, without their uh, starting wide receiver, that they can score some points on offense. Nick Foles had a nice game, and the defense is just... Beautiful. Aaron Donald, best player on the field. Are you saying the Rams are going to win the NFC West? No, I'm sticking with them as my uh, wild card team. I only said that because you said that directly that you did not. You do seem sold that play caller Frank Segnetti is a major upgrade on Brian He had a good game. They lost three fumbles. We'll get into it later. Four big takeaways. No discourse. But why don't we use that as a nice transition point to jump into the games? And why not start in St. Louis where Marshawn Lynch... Uh, was stuffed on a fourth-and-one carry in overtime, the result of which a walk-off win for the Rams, 34-31, in what might be uh, the Rams' final home opener in St. Louis, Greg. I know mm. emotional game for you, of course. Uh, but, Greg, I will say this, and I will give you credit. Listen, you're a very controversial guy right now. You killed the hero pick. I did not kill you. Uh, everyone on Twitter that's reached out to Greg, I understand your feeling. But it, let's push that aside. You called this about the Rams. You knew they were going to take care of business against the back-to-back defending conference champs. The crazy thing is how many things in the game went against them. They lost three fumbles. They were up uh, 11 points, and then Seahawks came back. Isaiah Pede lost a key fumble. At that point, I thought they are going to blow it. They fall down seven points. Nick Foles gets the ball with under five minutes to go. He marches him down the field. It was a nightmare day for Pete Carroll and John Schneider. Not only did they give up the late touchdown, they're going to get questioned because they gave the ball to Marshawn Lynch this time on fourth and one. He gets stuffed. 
The guy that replaced Cam Chancellor in the starting lineup, Deion Bailey, free safety, he's the one that gives up the long touchdown to tie the game at the end of regulation. So that's, you know, Cam Chancellor's agents out there just saying, we're making money, baby. How about a little bit of irony? The last two Seattle games, Carroll gets killed for not running with Marshawn Lynch with the game on the line. One game later, albeit months and months after that, they lose because they give it to Marshawn Lynch. How, How about don't get into a fourth and one situation if you're Seattle? <laughs> right, you're down three points at that point. How gutsy would it have been if Daryl Bevel called a slant to Ricardo Lockett? <laughs> that would have been unbelievable. What if Malcolm Butler intercepted it? That would have been even cooler. <laughs> Who would have thought that a team with Nick Foles, B- Benny Cunningham, and your hey, leading buddy. receiver, Stedman Bailey, would take down the Seahawks? Steto. Well, you got, I mean, you got a star like Tavon Austin. And I saw Roto World actually was forced to acknowledge him. I think they will now. <laughs> he had a nice rushing touchdown. Foles also missed him for what could have been a, a long score. I blame this a little bit on Russell Wilson, and he had terrible protection throughout the game. He was hit like crazy, especially early. But sometimes he gets a little frantic and wants to run early. In a game, in a play no one's going to talk about, is on third and three, right before the fourth and one. He goes back in the pocket. He doesn't really face any pressure. He makes the decision to run. He only gets two yards to set up that fourth down. And, and that was one of those plays where he trusts his instincts to run the ball instead of just waiting for someone to get open and throwing it, and it, and it backfire. And I think that happened a few times. Hot take coming off of this loss. I think the, the Seahawks are actually stronger than they were last year. Cam Chancer will be back. Tyler Lockett is a legitimate weapon. Jimmy Graham is the red zone guy they needed. Frank Clark, their second round pick, is a playmaker. I feel like their, what their are, roster is tangibly And a bunch of those stronger. guys weren't on the team a year ago, what so ab- it's going to take a few weeks. What about Jimmy Graham? What did you see from him? Well, the second they got in the red zone, the first thing they did was just throw it to Jimmy Graham three times. Didn't work right away, and then he did catch a touchdown. He didn't have a huge game, 52 yards. They did a good job. I mean, I just the reason I like the Rams is nothing to do with We've talked a lot about their offense. It's just that... Aaron Donald could be the defensive player of the year. I mean, he, if he was that good as a rookie, I mean, he had at one of the most dominant defensive J.J. Watt type of games that you'll ever see today. Three tackles for loss, a couple sacks, eight tackles. Just he did everything. And then you have Robert Quinn right next to him. I mean, that's as good a twosome as there is in the NFL. How about Fred Jackson? Did he have a huge role in the game plan like Pete Carroll said? Yeah, I don't know why Pete Carroll said that because he <laughs> didn't at all. Thomas Rawls had more carries, I think, uh, than Fred Rawls. Jackson. So you don't... You know, this does this change your opinion on either team? No, I I like this. The Rams you predicted this playoff type of team. This is the third time in four years they beat them at home, so they got to do more than than just that. Good for Jeff Fisher, who let's be honest is really just biding his time until he gets to L.A. and can, you know, <laughs> move full time back into his Venice cottage uh, right near Wes's place uh, to maybe go to the playoffs and have a winning season. That would Fish be, and I will be hanging out. This, we'll be at the Whaler. This is the that game of the fun. day, though. I mean, you got you got punt returns for touchdowns from both teams, Austin and uh, Lockett. You got, you got a little bit of everything. You got 18 points in eight minutes at one point from Seattle in the fourth quarter. Mm. These two games, the sneaky good rivalry. Even though the Rams aren't very good, they always play pretty good games. All right, so let's now uh, turn our attention to the team the Seahawks beat a couple years ago in the Super Bowl, the Denver Broncos, who, you know, we talked about Peyton Manning and what will we see from Peyton Manning uh, after a year in which he crumbled down the stretch. Well, he looked very vulnerable on Sunday. He threw for just 175 yards, took four sacks. But in a keep to lead, pick six was the difference in a 19-13 win over the Ravens. Uh, Mark, yes, Broncos win. Is it too, see- too soon to consider Manning a liability in Denver? Well, I understand this other sub-faction that says, no, Manning's still the greatest when quarterback around. When you say sub-faction, Basically, are you referring just Dan, to me? Just Dan. Yes, let's just call no, it out. It's like, but we, at this point... Dan and Solomon Wilcott. Sure. There was was an injury down the stretch that that buried Manning's play to some degree, right? (laughs) Yes. But 
it continued on through the entire preseason, and it played out today in week one. He played a very good defense, but they're basically— I don't like that sometimes we selectively choose what matters in the preseason, but go ahead. I get you that his arm didn't look great. But it's not look great in about eight to nine games at this point. Okay. Traits. So, and it, Traits. It, that's what matters Honestly, it's, it's not who Manning was five years ago. He cannot throw the ball. And when mm. they're forcing him to get guys open deep, this is a yards-after-the-catch type offense with your receivers. But he's missing guys short. He's throwing worm burners. He was throwing at people's feet. There's something going on with Peyton Manning. They didn't he's score an offensive years touchdown. I mean, that is, Neither did the Ravens. They didn't get to the red zone until thing. late in the game. This is Peyton Manning, who routinely puts up monster stats. Just two years ago, put up seven touchdowns in the 460 yards and seven touchdowns. Speaking, he's not the same guy. Speaking of burying, Greg buried Sully Wilcox in that argument. What are you talking about? Oh, you're, t- you're referring to the television uh, debate? Debut yeah. of Greg yeah. Rosenthal. Uh, Peyton Manning looks like the December-January Peyton Manning. He looks like the same guy. I, and honestly, behind that offensive line, he looked like he couldn't escape pressure at all. And the problem is they want to run the ball. They ran for 2.8 yards per carry today. No one looks special uh, as a running back. And that's a, that's a scheme where you think you plug someone in, they're going to have a 1,000-yard season. It didn't happen. All the C.J. Anderson fantasy fans are like, no, this can't be happening. I went against my better judgment, and now I'm getting banged. Yeah, I mean, Ronnie Hillman got more yards than Anderson even in this game. When it came all in that long 17-play drive. You mentioned the run after catch. That's how their offense is set up. Demarius Thomas isn't going to have that great of a year if, Mm. if, like, the Ravens are stacking the box on him. What you said about the line, though, and that he can't escape protection, I think hits on the big problem. You know, he was sacked four times in this game. That's more than he ever was in any game last year. They also said that in the last preseason game he played where he was sacked three times, which was more than any game last year. So they can't really protect him. It's a new offensive line, and if they're not, you know, run blocking well either. You know, that's a lot of problems heaped on him. Now the offensive line's not helping him out. couple things on the Ravens' side. First of all, huge news. Terrell Suggs out for the year. He tore his Achilles tendon in the second half. Uh, he had a partially torn Achilles tendon a couple years ago that he came back from. This is on the other leg, and this time he's done. So that is a crushing blow to a defense. He's really the backbone of their defense at this stage. They also don't have Haloti Nada anymore, so it's, this is a different Baltimore defense. Yeah, I mean, they look sensational today. Honestly, the Ravens, it seems like every year we want to start saying, well, maybe this defense is not what, we're, what we expect from Baltimore, but they absolutely control the line of scrimmage, beat up Denver. But you lose Suggs. He had 12 sacks last year. He's had double-digit sacks in three of the past four seasons. I know he's 32 and he's not getting any younger, but that's a big loss for that team. Oh, that's massive. You, yeah. you said in your write-up that Brandon Williams basically wrecked the Broncos' offen- or offensive line. He was line. great. John Harbaugh said this offseason that Brandon Williams is the best nose tackle in football. Part of that, though, is because Suggs is drawing attention and Doomerville and Upshaw. But really, I mean, they have the parts, though, but to lose Suggs takes They got Jimmy Smith back, which is a huge addition. And he had, he, a pick, today. he had a pick six in the game, too. But Suggs, that's not a guy you can replace. That's out there every down. That's a great run stopper. That's a very difficult. I think the bigger concern, even than losing Suggs, is that their offense doesn't have playmakers. Mm. Yep. What about Steve Smith, your boy? He's old. He should have caught that, by the way. He He should not have caught that. He should have caught that after the game. Have you ever tried to catch a pass that was slightly (laughs) tipped six inches from your face? Let me just say, Steve Smith said after the game it was not tipped, and then he had this. It was tipped. He said himself it wasn't tipped. Well, he's wrong. It was tipped. He said, I'm a number one receiver, and that's a number one play, and I've got to make that. Ultimately, the way I feel is that it's on me. That falls in my hands. I have to be better. Steve says I'll take his word well, for it. Right in, right in front of him, he could have stole that game, and he didn't. The, but the problem the ball is that tipped. it is 
all on Steve Smith, and they don't have anyone else around him. When Crockett That's Gilmore is making your biggest plays, you let you lack talent Although in that I, running game. I blame Flacco a little bit for the the throw on the next play that was intercepted to end the game. I mean, they had a chance to win that game. If Flacco lays that out there a little bit more. I think the Ravens win that game. It's it's amazing. What year was this game played in? 173 total yards to 219. Everyone that says that football was so great in the 1970s, you could have a well, 16 the, weeks worth of this. The final <laughs> note is that Denver's defense is supreme. I mean, it looks fantastic. Very well. All right, moving on. Okay, speaking of fantastic defense, let's go to Western New York, where Rex Ryan came up with an aggressive, effective game plan to rein in Andrew Luck and the Colts offense. 27-14, Bills win in Orchard Park. And, Wes, it wasn't even that close. The Bills could not have asked for a better start to the Rex era. It was a convincing victory and not surprising to me because that's how the Bills' defense plays in that stadium. They swarm to the ball. And if you watched Andrew Luck today for the first time ever, you would not have thought he was a good quarterback. Mm. Wow. It was a very... I mean, what did, how did they do it? What, did, what he did he do? do? Inaccurate, or was it all the Take us I wasn't impressed with his arm today. It wasn't... And his receivers weren't really fighting for balls. They didn't do anything after the catch. Rex Ryan was dialing up blitzes that had the Colts confused. Anytime Luck started to move the offense, an offensive lineman would co- commit a holding penalty and set him back. It was just they were behind the eight ball all day today. We should stop the show right now. I mean, this is big news. Chris Wessling says something negative about Andrew Luck. I've never it was heard not that a good. Life. It was not a good performance. What about with Frank Gore, though? Because I know he, le- he left with cramps or whatever it was late in the game, but 31 yards. Andre, Andre Johnson's giving you 24 yards through the air. Well, Frank Gore, that... You know, they get behind, so they're not going to run it as much. And then, like you said, calf cramps. He missed series in the third and fourth quarters with that and spent most of the fourth quarter in a jacket on the sideline. I, it wouldn't surprise me if they bring Ahmad Bradshaw back because Josh Robinson, the rookie backup, didn't look good. And they're playing former Yale star Tyler Varga on passing down. <laughs> Tyler Varga. Wait. First time he's been mentioned on the pod. And what about on the other side, Tyrod Taylor, for real? You know, if, if you saw him today... You would say, you know, what what he did in the preseason was what we should expect going forward. Uh, he had the, uh, I believe, the fifth best QBR by a Bills quarterback in the in the last decade. So if you were watching this game, obviously Tyrod Taylor is the quarterback, but just watching the defense, could, could you tell the difference between, okay, this is Rex Ryan's defense, between that and the defense they had last year and Jim Schwartz? Or- no, I thought Jim Schwartz brought more pressure. Rex had well-timed blitzes. Um, but I, they looked more swarming to me under Schwartz. They, by the way, get excited, Bills fans, because if you want to get excited about Tyrod Taylor now, now you've seen it happen in the regular season after you saw it for a month in the preseason. If he plays well, they're, they're a playoff team probably. The I mean, team I saw today has to be considered a yeah, contender. And, and Tyrod Taylor, it's not just that he's athletic and can escape pressure. He was accurate. He was poised. He was in command. He had a play late in the game where it would have been a pick six because the ball was tipped, and he went and batted the ball down like a guy who has a high football IQ would do. It was a really impressive all-around performance. It's, Taylor had 41 yards rushing, and so did LaShawn McCoy. And Carlos Williams had 55. What is LaShawn McCoy? Did he did he? Well, he's slept? coming off the hamstring, right. and, he, and he appeared to stumble a few times while he was running. He didn't look at full strength to me. Mm. You know, and yet I miss Kyle Orton. I still miss him. That's well, you're all. a Jets fan. Of course you would. That no, would I, just, be <laughs> I, miss, I miss him in my life. Actually, I think Kyle Orton carved up the Jets last year, but a lot of teams carved up the By Jets. By the way, Colts, you know, you can chalk it up to one game. It was a buzzsaw. We knew the, it was a bad matchup. But Frank Gore comes off the field, and it, and it shows a lack of depth at running back. Andre Johnson looked old. 
Mm. He looked slow, mm. couldn't separate, didn't do anything after the catch. And Philip Dorsett fumbled both both of his punt opportunities and didn't get on the field on offense until T.Y. Hilton left with a knee injury. Watch out. Mm. Watch out for the team of uh, ATL potential, Tennessee Titans. Maybe they'll take that division. <laughs> are we, are you we say gonna, that it's possible. That's a, tease. that's a tease. Nice tease. You've got a lot of issues between uh, the head coach and the front office with this team, too, which could be like a Harbaugh effect. Colts have gotten bombed in a few games, though. It's been their characteristic under Griggs. We got Bills Pats next week in Buffalo. That's a nice little week two game. All right, let's move, to, let's move to Green Bay, where the defending MVP of the league, Aaron Rodgers, threw three touchdowns, two to an old friend, James Jones, and the Packers held off. You know, a slightly frisky Bears team, 31-23 win at Soldier Field. Uh, this was a game, guys, where uh, you know the Bears hung around, but then Jay Cutler, as Kevin Patcher wrote in his write-up, Cutler going to Cutler through an interception uh, that Clay, uh, to Clay Matthews that basically sealed the contest in the fourth quarter. So I think a, I think a lot of people expected another one of those Aaron Rodgers five touchdowns, 41 to 10 blowouts. Uh, I think Mark, I said I know 61 to nothing. 61 was, nothing. A little bit off. You threw out there. But the Bears put up a fight, and, and the Packers still recovering with Jordy Nelson out. You know, they take care of business. I mean, I guess no one would be surprised if they won this game, but their defense gave up almost 400 yards. I think I, we're at the point, though, with the Bears. Okay, you hung tight with a team in your division at home, but you only lost by eight. And so that's, that's good news. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like where you are. If, if, if all you can do is compete, in a division game, that that's good news. That's, that's not a good sign. Should, you, know, remember, uh, you know those old NFL films where every team got like a half-hour video and it would yeah. be on at like 4 a.m. on a... Right. Yes, the yeah. annual yearbook, I believe. Yeah, it and called. it all always had a title. It would yeah. be the 2015 Chicago Bears. Disturbing Promise. <laughs> and for <laughs> all... Tried. You know, you can... <laughs> You could say the Bears hung tight. The quarterback had a QBR under 30. Mm-hmm. And everyone keeps saying, don't write Jay Cutler off. Give him a chance. He's still Jay Cutler. They did outgain the Packers, though. I mean, you would have never guessed that they would have 400 yards. That the Packers, I'm, I'm shocked that the Packers' offense had any trouble with the Bears' defense, and, and they did. Well, Vic Fangio is a great coordinator. Mm. I mean, maybe that's, he can make chicken feet out of Chicken, whatever. So you get this John Fox outfit again. Chicken five to seven, whatever. That's how it goes. You know who has a great life out of nowhere now? James Jones. Yeah. Yeah. He goes from football purgatory to now. Let's let's be honest. He stays healthy. He's almost now a lock now for ten to twelve touchdowns. Clearly shows he can still play and has chemistry. Ah, welcome back to relevance, James Jones. That's a Patriots move. Bring back your former mm. players that can't make it anywhere else. They come plug back in. They have a great season. They make a ton of well, money. Well, the Giants are cool. You know, they have Dwayne Harris and and what is their other? Jeremy Davis, Jeremy Preston Davis. Parker. Oh, they're they're yeah. cool. Who would, who would need James Jones? <laughs> All right, let's get, let's get Wes's heart a flutter now and talk about Marcus Mariota, who threw four touchdown passes and just three incompletions. What am I reading that right, Greg? That's correct. <laughs> okay. Easily upstaging number one overall. Overall pick, uh, Jameis Winston and the Titans' 42-14 win over the Bucks in Tampa. Greg, we'll get to you, Wes. Your heart is a flutter. That's a fair statement. You're a boy on prom night. I night feel of like I even start. I with didn't you. go to prom. You're going to prom with someone named Marcus. <laughs> yes, Greg. You think the Bucks are having some uh, draft remorse right now, aren't don't you? Well, well I said, draft is remorse. Well, I said anyone in the crowd there has to be having it because. Here's uh, week one. Let's go watch our face of the franchise, uh, new number one pick, 
throw a pick six in his first NFL pass. That, you know, not exactly the start you're looking for. And then on the other side of the ball, let's look at the number two pick. Put up four touchdowns and 35 worst points in the scenario. first half. They're not going to come to any games the rest of the season. That, seriously, that is a team that struggles to sell tickets. Yeah. That is, if you try to create the most deflating situation possible for week one, that's it. But right well, bar, yeah, barring an injury, this was absolute rock bottom where your guy stinks it up. The other guy plays like uh, evolutionary Joe Montana. And Wes, who is sitting across from me, giggling like a schoolgirl. He was so excited. I do think he is a little bit. I'm not saying he's got the fourth quarter mojo and the game-winning drives of Joe Montana. Who knows if that's going to happen. But in the preseason, his footwork reminded me of Joe Montana. And he had a much quicker release today than I expected. Lightning quick release on a lot of these run option plays that they ran at Oregon and that Chip Kelly runs. I'm excited for this team. There was, there was a point I kind of felt like the football gods were really against Winston and for Mariota in this game because, you know, Mariota threw one pass right into a defensive lineman's belly that could have maybe been a pick six, you know, fell on the ground. He fumbled the ball at the one-yard line, and it was recovered by the other team, but they decided that the play was dead, which was a very questionable call. Whereas Winston, he throws a pick six on his first pass. It was a terrible decision. And he throws another interception where a defensive lineman makes an amazing leaping catch. I actually saw a couple good things out of Winston, but the score was the score was 28-7 before you blink. And it, I just thought it doesn't even matter how well Jameis Winston plays. The offensive line is so bad, and the Bucks' defense is even worse. That like he's well, going to be in a lot of these games. Well, question for you: Let's say you put Marcus Mariota behind that line in Tampa Bay with Lovey Smith, who doesn't develop quarterbacks as your head coach. I wonder if it's a different situation. Of course. But Winston is going to throw those interceptions. He did it in college. Mark, too. by the way, brings up Lovey Smith, who is coached what. Uh, 17 games now for the Bucks and lost 15 of them. And it's his hard. defense, which is what he's known for, looks terrible. It's getting worse. I mean, that that was my big take. That's his me. butt. Shocking That's that the they would get worse after he smell. brings in Major Wright, Chris Conte, and oh. Tim Jennings from his old Bears team. Well, that's the problem. I can't stand coaches that get wedded to certain average players because they know your system. How about go get smart young players that can learn your system? Because what is the plan? A bad team that's showing no markings of growth what is Lovey Smith's plan? It's impossible to know. They've been they've been bomb dropped like seven times in the last bomb, few seasons. Bomb dropped. And your boy Terrence West. This game was such a laugher. It was like Oregon. I mean, with the score, Mariota didn't have to play in the fourth quarter. They they took out Bishop Sankey in the third quarter. They put in your guy Terrence West. Well, now Terrence West on a potential playoff team. Bishop Sankey had a career high in yards. Did you get? <laughs> you, you know that uh, Bishop Sankey's career high is only was only like sixty three. Well, we know there. we know this from what we've seen. Yes, Dan, you're smelling something? What is that? That's Lovey Smith's hot butt. He's on the hot seat. He's got a hot butt. <laughs> it stinks. Wait Sorry. A Go ahead, Wes. <laughs> His butt's getting hot. Well, he is, you know, I don't know. That's, that's a patient organization, but please. We've seen this factor going back to Michael Vick with the Falcons. When you have a mobile quarterback who's a threat to run, it helps the running back. Mm. And I think that's one of the reasons why Bishop Sankey's doing better now. Well, they, they definitely added some Oregon elements to this they did some hurry up uh, there was a lot of like package plays i think they showed us that they're trying to build this offense you mentioned our rg3 to two Mariota's strengths and that's what you want to see out of a coaching staff well, you got to give ken Wisnon what do you know up. ken Wisnon isn't the most boring coach in the nfl i Who do think he, he has potential for an rg3 like rookie season where he gets everyone excited around the league and in nashville especially but he is going to make some rookie mistakes sure. against good defenses especially but you know, like I say, Dan, the, yes. tra- the traits are there. They're all there. It's all about traits. T 
TD, is my mic okay? Because I did that bit where I was doing the smelling. I don't know what you were doing there, but yeah. your mic's okay. You, I'm not so sure about. <laughs> That's Levy Smith's a fair question. hot butt. All right, moving on. Alex Smith threw for 243 yards and three touchdowns in the first half, too, to dra- Travis. And there's a couple of competing nicknames right now with Travis Kelsey. You're hearing Baby Gronk. I don't know if that's more creation in here. You're also hearing Zeus, which I have some issues with uh, intellectual property there. (laughs) Anyway, Travis Kelsey had two first-quarter touchdowns. All added up to a 27-20 win for the Chiefs over the Houston Texans. And uh, Mark, uh, Brian Hoyer, your boy. Old former Cleveland Springsteen. You guys want to make a lot of people my boy. It's not none of these guys are my boy. Once oh. upon a time, he was. If, yeah. If, yes. if we were making a list, Brian Hoyer is. Near He's in the your top boy Hall of Fame. He's He's in the, he was in the totally inaccurate. He was you in asked, the stable. You asked to cover the Chiefs Texans early last week, as if there was gonna be. You know, I was gonna get a lot of texts from Wes and Dan. Hey, hey, can you put me on it? <laughs> what Mark's like? I better get in here. Early. I'm a team guy. It wasn't because of the Chiefs. You always make fun of the. Let teams. me just get. Uh, Hoyer struggled. He was awful because he's. You know, he stinks. And uh, you know. And wow. Ryan Mallett took over with six minutes to play, led Houston on a couple scoring drives, uh, made it, you know, respectable. But there you go, Mark. We talked about it last week. Uh, the quickest quarterback controversy in football comes out of Houston. Yeah, I mean, Hoyer, two inexcusable turnovers that absolutely changed this game. His first pass was a pick six. I mean, this is this, Hoyer played some bad games down the stretch last season. But the point here was he knows Bill O'Brien's offense. He's comfortable. He's confident. You know, none of that looked to be the case. And he and he said it after the game. He did a disservice to the organization with the way he played. And le- it was not a good game. It's an insult to call Brian Hoyer a game manager in the same vein as Alex Smith. It's an insult to Alex Smith, who's a much mm. better player. That's and fair. Brian Hoyer is not a game manager. He turns the ball over way too much. They are not anywhere close to the same quarterback. And the, the biggest takeaway for me was, I know the Chiefs bored us to tears last year, but they looked interesting today. I think there's something else going on. you got Kelsey. Having Macklin in there changes what they can do. He tested defenders down the field. And Alex Smith looks supremely confident. I feel mm. like he's a smart quarterback who just seems so much more comfortable this season in an offense that is growing some weapons finally. They've got triplets, and you can even exclude the quarterback, Jamal Charles, Jeremy Macklin, and Travis Kelsey. But, and they're a good team right now. But Greg, in his preview, got trashed by Chiefs fan. But it's a good point. If they lose Jamal Charles or Jeremy Macklin, they're not a good team. Well, yeah, they don't have for depth. a lot of teams. I, I don't they don't have true, depth true, on this roster. Teams, right. You know, another team, you know, that I think is lousy is the Texans. I mean, maybe this is just more about the opponent. First of all, the Texans outgained them. I didn't watch the game and I know a lot of it was late drives. Yeah. But they, you know, the Texans outgained them by 60 yards and I still I know they have JJ Watt, but there's just nothing about this Texans team that's special at all. There's nothing to think that it would be surprising if they win five or six games. J.J. Well, Watt had six tackles for loss. Yeah, but the problem is the whole team I mean, had we, seven, we, though. We've come to expect that right. from J.J. Watt, but it, it's football where one player, especially a defensive player, is only going to make that much of a difference. And the one thing, yes, J.J. Watt was disruptive as always, but then go watch what Kelsey did to this secondary mm. and how much space there was between him and defenders. They just ate... Houston up. I mean, Houston so, had no solution. For who it. starts for the Texans at quarterback next week? I think you, you Malik came in and I, it was it was a little bit of a strange situation, but 
10 points and two drives. I think both guys are going to continue to rotate over and over. You got to go with Mallet next week. Oh, you're it's crazy, though. It's crazy. You do that whole training camp thing. You decide on it. It is crazy. You maybe it's maybe you know maybe it's only six or eight games that he says, but then it's you know it happens. Well, that's the first, the first indication that you don't have a quarterback though when you're going you're going snap well, for snap and hold on. Up. Bill O'Brien told us all, told reporters, he told his own coaches that the rest of the league and every critic is just wrong about his quarterbacks. They're both quality, quality players. And it's wow, good television. It's not a, true. On Hard Knocks, yeah. Let this always be a, a reminder. If you like that show, when the coach is talking up the quarterbacks too much, that means they usually stink. And it did remind me of how this, this season started. It was with O'Brien in a private meeting. Remember he's yelling at his own coaches? It was a little that weird. That I found strange. Nobody, this was his quote, nobody talks about the Texans because nobody thinks we're going to win. And the disrespect that they show our quarterbacks I'm tired of that too because both those kids can play they need a chance and one of them is going to get it enough is enough they're well, both going to get the get chance it. they can play can they play well that's a different story Aaron Foster might be back next week it is just week one I do remember the Titans absolutely dominating a road game in week one last year and they only won one more game the rest of the season see you know you never know yeah Mark are you ready to talk about the pain bowl what's that well, it is the New York Jets, the number two team on the old Zeusers pain rankings against the Cleveland Browns. It says pain bowl right here on his, on his little... Number one sure, bring it on. And by right. the way, Mark, you can... Real happy for you, You dude. can pretend you're not a Browns fan, but you have, they exist. You can't pretend like you don't even know who you the Browns are. That's like a I said, thing. I will watch their game probably Wednesday, Thursday when I get around to it. They're not at the top of my list. And I was getting a lot of <laughs> tweets about this. I was getting a lot of tweets about this. Uh, no, Mark did not. It doesn't appear that Mark watched this game that we're about to talk Even about. Even when Johnny Manziel came in and made a, a really nice play, Mark wasn't like peeking around. He was either. clearly, I was looking at Mark's face so I could read his, the body language and the face language. He was punishing yourself essentially because I know you wanted to check in, but you didn't. I don't wish them ill will. I felt bad for any team that loses their starting quarterback eight minutes into the season. I mean, well, where do you go from let's there? Let's get into it. Yes, the Jets. Uh, got two touchdown passes from Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Chris Ivory ran for two scores. And uh, the New York Football Jets with Fireman Ed back at the Meadowlands. Greg, get excited. Took care of business. 31-10 win over the Browns. Josh McCown, uh, in one of the Brownsiest moments ever, uh, attempts to scramble for a touchdown at the end of a long drive. Gets clobbered on a John Elway helicopter-type scenario. Fumbles the ball, loses the fumble, and loses his marbles. Gets concussed on the play. Out of the game. Oh, my gosh. In comes Johnny Manziel. That's like the anti-John Elway moment. Oh, my God. That was unbelievable. Uh, Manziel comes in, starts off promising, um, throws a long touchdown pass to Travis Benjamin, the first touchdown of his career, but then... Uh, he's betrayed, and let's we got to cut Johnny a little slack. Any young guy coming in cold like that might struggle, but he was pretty reckless with the football. Three turnovers, lost two fumbles when he wasn't protecting the football well, and then one interception. Jets took advantage of that, 21 points off five Browns turnovers. And uh, I will also say this, Mark. I'm much like Andrew said on on our last show. I am, and I don't you know whether you care or not. I'm disappointed that you're doing this. I thought it was a bit, and now I'm starting to see you're going to run with it. It leaves me as the only real like fan in terms of rooting for a team in this room. 
Because what does Greg, that even mean? Greg what? pretty much checked out on the Patriots. Oh, wow. Oh, I we like football so much story. that I like all the teams. Relax. Yeah, I, I like the Patriots. I, I, I applaud you. I love you. the Patriots. It's not a movement. And you're in a it's scenario a now where Wes is patting you on the back, thanking you for, but or congratulating Dan, you on Dan, why do you see me as evil, though? No, I'm not. I'm just saying, you know, you've now put yourself in a position where you and Wes are conspiring what? about quitting your boyhood teams. You have effectively made this about you. Uh, no, but it, it is. It's it very really, much about you. It really is just about wanting to... Take a little bit of a break from the roller coaster, and I think that's fair. I've been following him for thirty years. Again, I don't wish them ill. Well, let's, well I wouldn't. I wouldn't think you would. Let's be honest. He picked them. a perfect week to skip the the quarterback well, getting knocked out in week one on a spinning play where he would have scored a touchdown. That's about well, the most yes. depressing thing we can possibly come up. Yeah, with. the point I was trying to make was, in spite of my issues with you doing this, because it feels real now, you're you were picking a good year. If this is going to be a one-year sabbatical, they are going to. The Browns stink because I don't think you know. I know I say I think the Jets have a chance to be a playoff contender, but uh, the Jets—they made the Jets look great over the last three quarters of this game, and I don't know. I can't imagine the Browns uh, being able to get out of their own way this season. This could be a very long. season. It is early, but you don't have a quarterback. You gave up 150 yards on the ground. That was meant to be the big thing. You're meant to be able to run the ball. You can't run the ball. Listen, you take away Manziel's rushing yardage, and they did absolutely nothing. Well, so that, what was the point? What are you at this point? So I challenge them to go turn it around. But you well, I'll say this. We don't know if, if Josh McCown will even be ready for week two. But like Mike, Mike Patton also has a job to try to keep. But what is the point of playing Josh McCown? This is at best probably a five-win team. Why pay the 38? Well, that means play Manziel will year old. play. If they're gonna play the first-round pick and see what happens, what do you have to lose? He will play. But they're going to be three and eight at some point. Manziel will play. Austin Davis will play. Probably they'll sign Thad Lewis again. He'll play. You know, Dan Dan Hansis might get in there for a couple well, snaps. Well, it's, it's a bad sign season. when your two leading rushers are Johnny Manziel and Josh McCown, the guy who was knocked out <laughs> on the first drive of the right. game or whatever. Well, where was this offensive line? One one positive though, uh, Josh McCown, the only starting quarterback today to finish with a perfect QBR. I really don't understand QBR. How did he get a QBR <laughs> if he was six yards per attempt and he fumbled the ball? They. What am I missing? The Jets. That's a good question. The maybe Jets. Maybe it's a, high point. A the Jets did not play well early in this game, and if the Browns could get out of their own way, they could have been going into the halftime up two touchdowns. Right. Is it? Are we, that's what bad teams do. Could we just be overreacting to the score here? Didn't the Browns? Browns and the Jets looked like even teams for most of this game, and they had even total yards. Like they were, you know it was, what I mean? the Browns with two minutes of play were up ten seven, and the final score was thirty one ten. So they just got badly outplayed and outcoached in the second you half. You can't turn seems. the ball over five times. If you're a Browns fan, don't you want to see this play? Let's roll it, TD. Here's a nice breakdown of Johnny Manziel's touchdown to Travis Benjamin. I think Browns fans want to see more of this. Well, it's it's a nice th- and really it was Cromartie got toasted on the play. And speaking of Antonio Cromartie. Uh, he suffered a non-contact left knee injury, carted off, did the dreaded towel over the head, Ooh. which I've never seen a guy put the towel over his head, not to make light of it, but put the towel over his head and not be a serious injury. It just seems like that's when they know. You know. So I don't know if we're going to see Antonio Cromartie again this year. Mm-hmm. So that was really the, the worst part of the day for the Jets. But the other thing, I, one more thing about the Jets before we move on, Brandon Marshall looked like a difference maker in this game. They haven't had a guy like this since Keyshawn Johnson. He mm. beat Joe Hayden on a goal line one yard pass where he just was a he was a big boy and made a play. He had the key play of the game, which was after Fitzpatrick threw his only interception um, 
uh, Marshall stripped the ball and got the ball back, and it led to a Jets touchdown. So Brandon Marshall making things happen, a guy they haven't had in a while. What do you know? A team that needs a wide receiver could have gotten him for a fifth rounder. That's too bad because <laughs> yeah. all it does trade, big man. kind of like in Cleveland. You're saying, why bother waste time with Josh McCown? Now, now this is just another week wasting time when, with Ryan Fitzpatrick when you've got Geno Smith behind him ready to really take him over the top. The jawbreaker. My fantasy team is the Jawbreakers with the, our logo as the image when Gino mean mugged the Instagram photo. One of the more ridiculous moments in my franchise's rich history. Um, let's move forward. Let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals, another team of around the NFL candidate. And Carson Palmer's return from ACL surgery was a big success. The veteran QB threw three touchdown passes, 31-19 win over your boys, Greg, the Saints. Uh, you liked Those Greg. Those are my boys. Well, you, you're, uh, I'm a native son of New Orleans. I'm great. <laughs> you were a Saints I went fan to Tulane. Yeah. Uh, but you liked Bruce Arians' aggressive uh, game plan, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, that's what I like is teams that have a little bit of guts instead of Sean Payton. Right at the end of the game, I just thought it was a nice dichotomy. Fourth and six. Granted, it was on the seven-yard line, the shadow of his own goal line. Under two minutes to go. Drew Brees has the ball, and Sean Payton decides to punt the ball. Fourth and six. Oh, come on, Shawnee. Just get six yards. Yes, if you don't get it, you're going to lose the game. Hey, if you punt the ball, you're going to lose the game too. And you know what? The football gods were watching, and they told Bruce, hey, let's stick it to Sean Payton right here. He didn't just run the ball into the line three straight plays. (laughs) He threw the ball with a screen pass. He thought it was a very safe pass on second down to David Johnson. David Johnson's first NFL touch. He takes it to the house 55 yards, and Sean Payton never even gave it a chance to try to win that game. Sean Sean Payton has his reputation as this aggressive risk taker because of the onside kick in the Super Bowl. He did a lot of this lame stuff last year where they were punting in very odd situations. It's just weird to give you, first of all, you're putting that much faith in your defense, which wasn't getting a lot of stops. They, they basically prevented damage by giving up field goals, but it's not like the Saints defense looked good all day. And the best case scenario is you get the ball back with under a minute to go and no timeouts and you have to get a touchdown. So it made no sense at all. And I, I thought Arizona, which was aggressive in their play calling all day, uh, they were rewarded. I mean, Saints fans, this is a defense that stunk up the joint last year. You give up well over 400 yards today. And this is going to be a run-heavy Saints team. 2.7 yards per carry. What the heck? That front seven that Greg's been trashing in Arizona. Yeah. The, the Saints offensive line, I know among... Uh, big-time Saints fan is a huge, huge concern. And judging by the play calling and the stats and everything I saw today, uh, that is warranted because they didn't try to drop back. Everything was a dump off. When they ran the ball, Ingram and Kyrie Robinson were both absolutely stuffed. I mean, Mark Ingram had eight catches for 98 yards. They were doing all the damage on screen passes and through the air. They were kind of figuring out a way to move the ball, but nothing downfield, really. That new-look Saints offense, Drew Brees on pace for 768 (laughs) pass attempts this season. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Is Honey Badger going all pro this year? Honey Badger was all over the field. That's our making the leap boy. Eight tackles. That making the leap is looking good. Tyrone Crawford's looking good so far. Maybe we're going to hit us. How about Gino Smith? He's going to get in there. He's going to bring him to uh, the playoffs for a good end-of-the-season run. Yeah, Matthew looked great, so that is... Making the leap candidate Sammy Watkins, zero catches today. Vontae Davis blanketed him. Ooh, well, Vontae Davis is good, but that yes. is, that's a zero. little bit foreboding. They only, I think they only attempted 19 passes. I, it was amazing to me to be watching a week. I never expected Chris Johnson to be getting big-time carries in a week one game. He was really getting the ball ahead of David Johnson. As I mentioned, How'd he, look? Uh, he looked fine. Clock killer, Chris Johnson. He was okay. The Grind only reason out. he was in there, though, is because Andre Ellington hurt his knee. 
Uh, it's a PCL injury, Bruce Arian said. So Chris Johnson could be starting at running back for them next week. Hmm. All right, moving on. Let's go to San Diego where Phil Rivers threw for over 400 yards and the Chargers reeled off 30 unanswered points in a 33-28 win over the Lions. Uh, this is a Lions team. It was a tale of two games. The Lions jumped out to a 21-3 lead in the first half. Then the offense just disappeared. And, you know, afterwards, as you're watching the game, there's some speculation brewing that Matthew Stafford got hurt. He got hit mm. by Melvin Ingram um, in this game. He took a shot to his shoulder arm area. In the second half, he shows up and he's wearing an arm sleeve on his throwing arm and he no- noticeably lacking zip and accuracy after that point. Mm. So it's something to keep an eye on that Stafford might be uh, dealing with something. Um, on the other side of the ball, Phil Rivers, after throwing two picks in the first half, including a killer in the end zone on a badly underthrown ball, is basically perfect in the second half. Um, just unbelievable performance. Keenan Allen, we, he had a softball uh, Excuse me. Sophomore slump last year. 15 catches in this game. 17 Uh, targets. 165 yards, I believe. So Keenan Allen was a beast. Ladarius Green, a former making the leap guy, had a touchdown. So the Chargers um, come roaring back. A very nice win. How often do you see a quarterback go 35 for 42? Rivers was point. He Rivers is, that's a lot of attempts. The only he's amazing. Nine, seven moving, he's going to be moving on up Greg's quarterback. Well, it index. doesn't take much for me with Philip Rivers. I'm looking for any excuse. He's People forget that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And I, oft, I often forget this until I watch Chargers games, but he has easily now taken the torch from Brett Favre from the guy that gets announcers to go, oh, this guy, he plays like a kid. He loves football. <laughs> he's like, oh, he's just a kid on a playground. That's the, the Phil Rivers stuff. But he does. He, he, he plays well, and, and he seems to enjoy doing it. He One needs thing. a playground. He has like seven kids. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> the, the Lions, we know this is their first game without Ndamukong Sue, and they gave up, I believe, over 450 yards of total offense in this game. Mm. And I don't, know, I don't put a ton of stock into uh, Tony Saragusa sideliner reports for Fox. What? I don't, I don't think Fox does either because they downgraded him to like the third or fourth team this season. Um, but uh, Saragusa noted that as everything was crumbling in the second half, the Lions sideline was dead. And there was nobody there to say, you know, let's get going. It was basically a team that was gassed and ready to go home. And that's what they did with a loss. Well, when you come into Qualcomm, you know, you don't come out the same. I was in San Diego <laughs> last night. It, it's unseasonably hot there right now. Maybe that was part of it. Look at Wes's humble brag. What were you doing in the, near the border there, Chris Wesling? I was gallivanting humble down the coast, brag. as you would say. Very well, you nice. can't spend every Sunday in 72 degrees, perfect temperature dome. Mm. I want a true. question for you, Melvin Gordon. That's a horrible stadium, by the way. They, no wonder they want out. I went to a Brett Favre Jets game in 2008, and it is a dump. That's nearly a decade later, so yes. it can't be any better. No, it can't be. Melvin Gordon, though, not a good preseason. I'm seeing he had 3.6 yards per carry. How'd he look? He looked okay. He actually, there was one play that he uh, scored a touchdown and then they ruled that his elbow was down, which was a good ruling, but he showed a nice uh, bit of athleticism to stay on his feet. There were a couple times uh, where he maybe pitter-pattered a little bit, but there were a couple times also where he got just buried in the backfield where he had no shot, which will affect that yards per carry. So there's nothing really to get too worried about. On the other side of uh, of, uh, Amir Abdullah looks like a stud. I mean, he had... A play on Eric Weddle where he juked Eric Weddle out of the stadium almost. Turned, like I said, he turned that screen pass into Duke a big play. He, yeah. he doesn't have breakaway speed, but his cutting ability is insane. He's so quick. 
Wes, Wes and I were talking about it. it. It's almost like he accelerates off a cut. Like he yeah, gets just momentum somehow. Off it. You just cuts. don't see people do Odell Beckham does that, and, and Abdul do, Abdullah does it. But we expected him to have more help around him today, that, that he was going to be an extra piece to like a suddenly deeper Lions offense. But it was the Chargers offense, which they have to feel so good about their team after this game. It's the exact opposite of last year, where they blew a big week one lead to Arizona. To come back from 21-3, to you get Stevie Johnson really that involved. That was a nice pickup. As a quality starter. And you get our guy from a year ago, Ladarius Green, having a big game. Suddenly, when you get Gates back, I mean, that's a lot of We have Danny pieces. Woodhead back, too. He had 12, t- 12 rushes. Big red zone weapon, Danny. If Kevin Patcher wasn't passed out face down on a mattress without any sheets right now, I would love to talk to him about the Lions because they are his team. And the thing about the Lions as I watch this game, and, and there is, I believe they're number four on the pain rankings, Mark, is there, there is that DNA that ties the years together. It felt like a very much like a Lions loss. Mm. And I know we talked very positively about this team, and who knows, they could go back to Ford Field and kick someone's ass and then everyone's excited again, but... This was very Lions, and it made you think, oh, is this team ever going to make the leap? Well, they, they could definitely still go 11-5 and eke and, and, and into the playoffs. But Patch was the first person because he's been bit hard. He's the first person that will tell you that there are weaknesses with Matthew Stafford's inconsistency, and they're only going to go yeah. as far as him. And Calvin Johnson, by the way, two catches today. And way too soon to say, oh, is that a sign that he's on the other side? Uh, and who knows with Stafford, but he was not a part of this attack. I mean, they were trying to come back in the game, and at one point Stafford tried to force a pass in, and he was covered well on the play, and they just couldn't get him the ball. I'd like to see who was covering him. Well, I guess that whole secondary is pretty good, but you got Flowers, you got Verrett. Maybe I read this, somewhere it was bracket coverage. You Maybe this uh, team of ATL buzz for Detroit taking a big hit from last year's forgotten team of ATL, who you can't forget about anymore, the Chargers. <laughs> Listen, oh, no, they're forgotten. I don't Week understand. One. By the way, we care. all love Phil Rivers. How, yeah, I why like do the we, Why do we S on them as being the team of ATL? That was a nice little team. Well, they, they, were, they were boring to watch last year, which goes against team of ATL. They're more fun to watch this maybe year. Maybe they'll be uh, more fun this year. Um, all right, let's move on now. Listen, they're not all gems. They're not all gems. There are a lot of good games to watch. Greg will argue that they're all special flowers. In their own way. delicate. Going into that, yes. A gentle sprinkle of water, and they'll bloom into beauties. But make sense of this Panthers-Jaguars game, a, a 29 Panthers win uh, over the Jags uh, in a game where, of course, Cam Newton wasn't going to light it up. I don't think we're going to see him light it up much at all this year. Uh, and Blake Bortles, meanwhile, uh, lived in the Gabbard zone, which whenever you're talking about a Jaguars quarterback, you do not want to be in the Gabbard zone. True. So uh, That's under six yards uh, per attempt, five, by I thought. the way. Five yeah. is really deep into the Gabbard oh, zone. Oh, I thought it was five. When we moved it up. I think it's under six. In the five to six range is Gabbard. Yeah, Zander. under five. I think he was then, four and a half. So well, and so was Cam Newton. Yeah, so was Peyton Manning. So I will t- let's talk because we were, again, we were in love with Chris Wessling with Blake Bortles' potential last preseason. We, again, we thought, you know, he's making some strides potentially. Uh, too soon to worry that he's again in a horrible situation, and it could be setting back his career. Well, I think it's you have valid reasons for concern. I, You know, I didn't see this game, but... I can see that he made mistakes, some big mistakes. He had a pick six, and I believe he's had the most pick six in the NFL since he entered the league. Allen Robinson also had a mm-hmm. huge drop. There were a lot of drops in this game uh, from both teams. I mean, Cam Newton, you know, as you mentioned, he had pretty bad stats. I mean, the Panthers' offense didn't make anyone think um, that they're going to be okay based on this performance. But it's a really, to me, it's a very disappointing moment for the Jaguars 
to end up losing by two scores at home on a day when, you know, they, the Panthers couldn't really run the ball. They, they Luke, Keekley the got, Luke Keekley got concussed. Right. A lot of things were in their favor to get a win to start the season, and they weren't wildly competitive. The shared DNA that would trouble me is Blake Bortles' five sacks. That's one reason last year, you can, you can blame it all on Blake Bortles, but when you're getting your butt kicked game after game, you're getting hit nonstop, you cannot progress and become the quarterback they want you to be. It looked like the running game was improved, but it's like what, this feels very much like a Jaguar score three years into the Gus Bradley project. You didn't give up 54 points, you gave up 20, but you're scoring nine. All right, let, let's, does anybody else have anything to say about this game? No. no. Sorry. I'm... Sorry, Panthers fans. We know you're 1-0. Enjoy the top of the AFC South for this uh, half a day or whatever it is maybe a week be Falcons careful what you lose. say greg about the panthers you know i like yourself it. in trouble here oh that's true that's true <laughs> i'm just saying uh you know it's one week uh mark almost achieved his g- dream of succeeding uh, greg on the depth chart around the nfl <laughs> this past week that's all i'll say in regards to certain uh a charlotte based nfl team criticism from the fearless boss let's move on to uh the cincinnati bengals who Went to the black hole on Sunday, and, you know, we're thinking, oh, this might be the year the Raiders are frisky. Let's get excited. Well, at least in week one, it it does not look like the Raiders are going to be frisky. The Bengals had it easy, dominating in all phases in a 33-14 win. Uh, Andy Dalton and Tyler Eifert, keep an eye on Tyler Eifert, by the way, um, connected for two touchdowns, and Derek Carr left the game with a hand injury. This is a game that was 33-0 at one point, so... Uh, Matt McGloin was playing big-time snaps. So very dark times, very sad crowd shots in Oakland of a fan base that, you know, they could be a little bit rowdy, and sometimes you think they're kind of, you know, a punk-type fan base. They deserve better than this. Time to put the optimism back in the shelf in Oakland, Wes. Uh, yeah, I liked, I liked my analysis better when I was trashing the Raiders. I don't know why I picked them to win this game. It was a bad <laughs> that idea. That was totally anti-Bengal sentiment. You even ad- admitted as it was- much. It was tricky for you to pick between your two raging biases, but you, you had to go with the raging, raging blind spots well, on each I'm, side. You know, I do expect Andy Dalton to have a career year, and I think the Bengals' offense is loaded. I just didn't think that they were this complete of a team to go on the road and absolutely demolish another I team. like my bold prediction of Andy Dalton throwing more touchdowns than Peyton Manning. I just wrote that in some sort of early morning fever dream, one of the million bold prediction pieces. It's one that of the few good. that's going to look good. That's not looking bad. I'm, I mean, Dalton, what, is a 28-touchdown guy on average? He's done it before. We, you know, I, one of my props was Manning throws 30. I think 30, that's a pretty good one. That's good. It wouldn't I be think stunning. You're in trouble. There is something particularly deflating about a week one loss like this at home, especially after, you know, to a bad team like the Raiders, like to their fan base, all of that like moderate preseason buzz means a lot. Like, oh, wow, these, these sure. guys, you know, now people really think we're more of an NFL team. And like you, you really convince yourself into that. We're no longer the worst team in the league. We've got a lot of young pieces. And then you're down 33 nothing at home. Oh, and you're, oh, wait, nothing has changed. At Not all. to it mention might, you lose your starting quarterback. Worse. Well, that too. Right. That's true, too. He said they didn't think it was going to be a long-term issue. It was swelling in his hand. He couldn't get X-rays were negative. Hands? Yes. That's, that we, could be a multi-week absence. He well, completed seven passes for 61 yards before leaving the game. Never a downplay. I know McGloin, if you give McGloin a week to prepare, never count him out. <laughs> I, I don't hate McGloin as a backup. 2014 are, preseason MVP, Matt McGloin. There are Raiders fans who believe that McGloin is a better quarterback than Derek Carr. I, I kind of like McGloin. Two problems I see for the Raiders. Can't run the ball. Still, Just two? Like, well, 
Primarily. <laughs> so number one, I thought that with Khalil Mack and some other players of this defense, we said they were watchable. Zero sacks, 90 QBR for Dalton. It's just, it's a really rough start. Del Rio, the coach, talked about, I'm a Raiders fan. We're changing the culture. Everything's changing, and you're going to have to keep waiting for it. Alden that. Smith had one tackle. That was it for him. And, and Dalton looked great. And obviously, it's September, so he's probably going to look better in September than January. But he really did play well. And I'll say it again. And this is not going to be uh, news to anyone that's a fantasy owner, but if Tyler Eifert is on your wire and you have to bid, let's say, X amount of dollars, don't be afraid to throw it out there because he, and when you guys watch this game, he looked awesome. If he's season. on the wire, what kind of league are you in? Well, he had a lot of preseason buzz. He had some buzz, but there are, you know, a lot of tight ends. It depends what kind of league you're in, but Four he team league. looked great. Yeah, not Four-team league with infants. Yeah, not Well, what do you, who's, who's ahead of Eifert in a, a tight end in fantasy? Many Don't guys. ask me. You know, we're, we're, by the way, our fantasy team, Mila Vaintraub, the AT&T girl named after, uh, Wes was the draft consultant, Mark is an 18% uh, shareholder, I am the majority owner, uh, Greg is the boss, but has no affiliation with our fantasy team. Yeah. Big win in week one. So, big win. Travis Kelsey Four came owners, up big. And you also have David Ely downstairs. Isn't he a kicker consultant or something? He's a yeah, kicker consultant. He's an emerging a, role in the front office. A mockery. You've somehow made a mockery of fantasy football. That's a one-man job, not a It's called being committee. subversive, Greg. <laughs> Look into it. Anyway, so Tyler Eifert is awesome. If he's on your fantasy team, you're going to win it all, baby. Look into being subversive. Keenan Allen is really... If you lost today in a PPR league and Keenan Allen was on your team... You should just fire yourself and hire Mark or something like that. I want nothing to do with it. Hire Wes. Hire Mark, who's I'm out after the draft. Co-owner I'm of only the a pro successful fantasy football team. Don't even know what the team's name is. Or Let what me the just take stock was. in this. So you quit being a Browns fan. You're you've removed yourself from the fantasy side of things. Sure. Are you just disappearing from society? He's I am starting... slowly, Ooh. slowly, bit by bit, removing the bricks, each little brick. And Dan, you can say like it's that. a bit, but you know, I'm not. No, doing it's this. actually, I'm starting I'm to think it's real. Not doing this for Dan. I'm doing this for Mark. For you. For me. I like this. You're, you're slowly. Going. Yeah. You're slowly morphing into my lifestyle. Mark, now well, the second <laughs> person to ever go third person on this podcast, following in Dan's uh, yeah. footsteps. Like Listen, that. one day, Mark, you could be like Wes too. Yes. That would be noble. No, Wes is a wonderful fellow. All right, moving on. The Miami Dolphins' much-hyped offense didn't look very uh, very swimming. Does that make sense? Well, it didn't go swimming. Swim. I think it didn't go swimming. Swimmingly yeah. uh, on Sunday, but a punt return score from Jarvis Landry was enough to secure a 17-10 win over the Redskins in D.C. Wes, what did you see from the QB positions on both sides? Ryan Tannehill missed some, throw, th- some throws, quite a few throws. He uh, didn't play as well as his stat line would show. Mm. Uh, like you said, they basically won because Jarvis Landry had a great punt return. Um, Kirk Cousins moved the ball a little bit. He had a, he had a couple interceptions. Um, I don't think that the Redskins are thinking about a quarterback change. It hurt that they lost Deshaun Jackson to a hamstring to injury that. early. Real, I think on the first drive, Deshaun Jackson left. A bad one, or what are, what are they thinking about it? About what? D. Jax is injured. Oh, he didn't. He, didn't, he was immediately ruled out. So Ooh. I would imagine he might miss a week or two. Oof. How but, about how about the fact that they only the Dolphins won a game? They only had 256 yards of total offense. I'm I'm surprised by the almost half of it to Jordan Cameron. I'm I'm surprised about the performance of the Redskins defense. They were pretty good. With well, get rid of Jim Haslett, maybe they're going to be better. Yeah, I think they went out and rebuilt their defensive front and shut down Lamar Miller totally in the first half. Mark, you. Uh, Get on the phone with your boy, your friend Bill Lazor, 
It's like, hey, pick it up, buddy. You're supposed well, to be I, a studly offense this year. Hey, Laser, well, pick it up. I'm not sure that's the exact transcript of the conversation that's ahead of us, but I would say that, you know, Wes and I vehemently said more teams need to go run this Eagles offense. Maybe it's not that easy to suddenly become, you know, the Eagles. Well, Maybe just, Ryan Tannehill just missed too many throws. Maybe RG3 didn't do a good enough job as the scout team safety for the weekend. <laughs> TD, Maybe it was our, his fault. TD, I know you're busy back there, but is it too much? To get Ooh. some damn laser sound Ooh, effects. Lasers for Bill Laser. I am pretty busy back here, Dan. How you doing? A damn laser drop? Is that asking no, no. too much? TD is a little bit too busy back here, but for your sake. <laughs> <laughs> That'll there do. You go. That's good. Thank you, bud. I appreciate you. Uh, how, anything else from this game, Wes? How about the? Oh, I was gonna say. Oh, how about the fact right, that the AFC ahead. East all undefeated and looking good? The Dolphins probably had the worst performance of the four, but just an entire division. Why I, I call this a, a, a moderately troubling Dolphins performance, just based yeah. on what I'm looking at here, yeah. is that the offense didn't look great, defense looked fine against you the You hire Mike offense. Tannenbaum and you're undefeated. Didn't the Dolphins whack the Patriots last year in the opener, early on in the season? Yes. You know, what did that mean? Happen. I mean, week one couldn't be more overrated for its results. I would say... Counts in the standings the same. The one other takeaway from this game, if you followed our fantasy advice... And drafted either Jordan Reed or Jordan Cameron. Pat yourself on the back. Mm. Good. If these guys, they're injury risks, but if they stay healthy, they're both going to have huge years. Jordan Reed will play at least four more games this season. Between that, he looked fantastic. He had a, he had a lot of plays where he fought for extra yards and got first down. Between that and the Deion Lewis uh, call by Wes, which was you know, genius, like Amir Abdullah, a lot of patting on the back, and it's deserved. Barry Horowitz over here. Oh, don't worry, don't forget about Tavon Austin. Tavon Austin. Nice little start for Chris Wesley in 2000. Who now exists. Let's, uh, let's now move to the big Sunday night showdown between the Cowboys and New York Giants at AT&T Stadium, which is the name of the facility where the Cowboys play home games, Chris Wessling, <laughs> and a game that the Giants had in hand, a 26-20 lead late. However, Tony Romo, the much maligned Tony Romo, Greg Rosenthal, <laughs> leads maligned the Cowboys by who? Not by me. down the field in the last minute of the game after a questionable play call by Tom Coughlin and an even more questionable decision by Eli Manning allows the Cowboys to come back from the dead. Seven, 11-yard touchdown pass, Jason Witten uh, from Tony Romo, seven seconds to play. They convert the extra point on a day where Des Bryant breaks his foot and is going to miss some time the Cowboys steal one from the Giants, 27-26. Mark Sessler, this is one of the worst Giants losses in recent memory and a great uh, win for the Cowboys. It, absolutely. A lot of people being blamed in New York already. Eli Manning's taking the blame. Coughlin's taking the blame. But in this room, yeah. when this game was happening before that final drive, I heard certain unnamed people saying, Good, well, good riddance to the Cowboys. We're tired of them. Hit the road. There was a lot of blame going in Dallas, but we counted out Tony Romo a little bit too soon, I think. Tony Romo, I mean, one of the most clutch quarterbacks in the NFL. We've, we've known that for years. The numbers he's, back it up. Yeah. He's got 24 fourth-quarter comebacks since he became the starter in 2006. Three more than any other quarterback in the league. I thought, by the way, Mark, you were referring to, you know, we were sitting here watching the end of the game and, and Greg Rosenthal was simultaneously 
uh, rooting against Spags, Giants defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo, who he despises uh, on a personal level because of what happened with the Patriots, and also rooting against the Cowboys, and, and I was on the same in the same boat there. That's exactly I, what I was pointing to. I like to. upsets. I like surprises. It was a wacky game. And I also like, you know, blaming people when they make a big mistake. And we didn't <laughs> wait to see Dallas go drive down the field with ease before blaming Tom Coughlin. I said it the second he, he made the call. You throw the ball there. It's I don't I know Eli Manning should have taken the sack and all that, but it's more on Coughlin for not running the ball. It's a higher percentage play to run the ball anyways. Score a touchdown, it's over. The worst case scenario is Just that ask Marshawn Lynch. there's less than a minute under the clock and you have to go, you know, get a touchdown. Instead, now you had 40 more seconds. I mean, it just was an, an insane, for a guy who's usually so conservative, to call a pass there was crazy. Well, wait, even more inexcusable is the way that, as Coughlin called it, knife through butter. <laughs> Dallas just rolled down the field against that defense. Two straight drives. It in was the so. I, t- I texted uh, with some friends back east. I have a lot of friends that are Giants fans, and I and I said this feels inevitable at this point. And everyone was like, "Yep, they're done. They're done." And sure enough, I think it was like eight plays, yeah, eighty yards, and that was it. It was done. They had no chance to stop him. And this was without again Des Bryant without in any, the locker room or any timeouts. I mean, that that's part of the equation of calling the run there. The fact there's no timeouts at all makes right. it. Really difficult to get a touchdown drive. You know, over the summer, I did a post on Gary Kubiak has an analytics guy in his headset. Mm. Isn't this exactly the situation where you need that guy? And he's got to be able to tell you within 10 seconds whether to run or pass in that situation. That's right, yeah. Tom Coughlin doesn't seem like an analytics uh, type of guy. You these know what are, I mean? Uh, these are really unforgivable. I like what men because are if, men. Because if you're sitting here and you're able to say it in real time and Tom Coughlin's not, that's unforgivable error. And I mean, they got lucky a few spots there. There was a defensive holding call on the Cowboys that actually saved them a, a ton of time. The, the Giants really botched that entire four-minute drive. A lot of their snaps, if you notice, happened with a ton of time left on the play clock at a time when they're trying to, you know, Get the clock down. Eli Manning snapping the ball with 15 seconds left. This is not what you expect to see out of a veteran quarterback like Eli Manning, who made an unbelievable throw to Odo Beckham that we thought was the game winner. We thought the game was over right right there. Eli came up with the best throw of the night. Doesn't matter. I mean, in this game, too, Eli Manning. By the way, look how excited Greg is. Greg loves when Eli and the Giants have to eat it. What are you talking about? Because on some level, it gives him a sense of closure about what happened in 42 and then again in 46. Another Super Bowl can you make, then, can you make up your mind what you're mocking me for being happy about? <laughs> you were just saying I was happy about the you know Giants. Yeah, but I well, know, you were, I know no, the you were true throwing stories. blame all over the place. But six players had more receiving yards than Odell Beckham. Mm. He was targeted less in this game than he has since I think Week Three of last season. Come on, Eli Manning, it's your best player. Well, they he were, also might have been concussed on the first catch of the game. He came right back out, and I think he saw what kind of coverage. I heard them talking about it after the game, you know, that he was getting hit at the line of scrimmage a lot in this game, and they're putting bracket coverage. They're going to make other Giants beat him. I'll tell you what, I, you know, grew up in New York. I, the Giants have had a lot of success over the years. Five Super Bowl trips since 86, four wins. But I will say this about the Giants. They, when they lose a game, they have, they have a real way about heartbreaking losses and this one is right near the top you know you had that january 03 playoff loss to the Niners sticks out the miracle of the meadowlands with deshaun put this one right in that they know how to lose a high profile game 
Well said. I, listen, the point is that was ending you just the hammered home the point. You know, you we can't it. top that. You're a New York guy with all this New York knowledge. Just I'll tell you what, the <laughs> Jets are 1-0 and the Giants 0-1 and the world is good. I mean, they went, like you said, knife through butter without Des Bryant on the field. That's what Coughlin and said. And they're not going to have him for four to six more weeks. So there were some concerning signs for the Cowboys in this game that they were even in this position because they really looked like the better team. But the turnovers and the penalties all went against Dallas. Dez is crazy, by the way. They, we saw a raw feed inside uh, inside this building of him greeting Cowboys players as they're coming off the field. He's only wearing what looks like some type of boxer briefs, and he's like slapping people hard and like shouting at them. And then finally, like a Cowboys team official approaches him gingerly and is like leads him back to the locker room. You know, got to put a, a, a boot on your leg he's like, now. By the way, you have a broken bone. You literally need yeah. surgery. Calm down, Dez, for once. One of the reasons this room didn't believe in the Cowboys was because if anything happened to Des Bryant, mm. we thought this wasn't that good of a team. Not but a lot of depth in we'll that see. room. Now we'll see, because the matchups are going to get a lot harder than the Giants' defense, which might be about the easiest matchup you can have. Do you believe in Terrence Williams? To the Giants' defense credit, though, they came up with three or four huge plays in this game. That's right. That's fair. A little Cole Beasley. And all of it's washed away. Oh, WFAN tomorrow. Wait, a little fantasy advice? Wow. Terrence Williams available in 80% of NFL.com leagues. Read that from someone else. Look at you. Team. Should we yeah, pick listen. him up for our fantasy team? Is that that's what you're saying? That's up to you guys. He's I your thought you were the fantasy outsider. Your I job don't even is, believe that's The true. outsider's inside. Well, it was tweeted true. by Michael Fabiano, so go talk to him. I'm going to check out that tweet. Sure. Well, it's probably not true now. Correct. It's not true now. Everyone and their mothers picked up Terrence Williams. Is it bad? So by the time this podcast comes out. And see if Fabiano really said that. Not if that. you watch NFL What is Greg now? doing? People doing it all the time. Why not? Well, Greg, a little segment's loose and fancy anyway. free. Well, let's, can we find out if it's true? What are we Don't trying just, to find out? That I, that, Sessler's right. He's unavailable 83% of the leagues. That seems wacky to me. It's, it is a little Pick him up. Have, up. Have a ball. By the time this Terrence podcast Williams. comes out, it'll be down to like 40%. <laughs> it probably already is. Correction, guys. This podcast is already out as we're taping right now with NFL Now. Wow, that's wow. weird. It, we're, we're already, we're it's in like the weird, man. No, it's time is like a flat circle, TD. So that's a good yeah. start to Sunday Night Football, by the way, and a good start to another uh, regular season, week one. Uh, nice work. Mark, your sixth uh, opening season uh, with the NFL. Congratulations. Mm. Well, same to you. Okay. So that was a nice move for me to throw it right back. Nice job, Dan. And to Wes and Greg for yeah. other things. We're celebrating. Weird. You know, these guys have been covering football. We were, like, back working in bizarre corporations, and you were, like, an ad guy in, like, New Jersey. So how about the experiences? <laughs> Mark is getting those wild eyes, so that means it's time to go. Uh, this is uh, Dan Hansa signing off. We'll be back uh, on Tuesday with another show and then our Thursday night show. So this season's on now. So get excited, everybody. There he is, the quiet storm. He's getting loud. The mailman, the boss, TD, and everybody behind the glass. Till Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Thank you.
Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.